Hi, and welcome to the Essential Tennis Podcast, your place for free, expert tennis instruction that can truly help you improve your game. Welcome to episode number 279 of the Essential Tennis Podcast. Today, I'm, I'm really excited for this episode. I've spent a bunch of time planning this outline, and we're going to be talking about some comments that Roger Federer made after a recent match of his. As you may know, if you listen to uh, episode number 278, I just got back from a five-week trip to California where we did a whole bunch of coaching, and I had one or two days to get away to the BMP Paribas in Indian Wells while the tournament was on. And one of those matches, I went with, with one of our private coaching students. We had great seats for the semifinals Saturday, Saturday both the, the men's draw and the women's draw. And so on the men's side, we saw Federer play against Chorich. And we also saw uh, Raonich play against Del Potro. And Roger, I don't know if you saw this match or not. I'll, I'll set it up really briefly just so you understand the context. Because all today's episode is really going to be completely focused around some comments that he made after this match. Which is a very challenging match for him. He lost the first set. Was down a break in the second set. I believe it was 4-2 to two in the second set. And... Up until that point in the match, he he started off relatively comfortable looking and, and was, was hitting some good shots, and, and he and Borna Chorich were trading blows back and forth. But then, but then about halfway through the first set, and really all the way up until 4-2 in the second set, Roger just really looked completely out of sorts. And if you've watched a lot of professional tennis, then you've kind of you've seen Roger kind of come in and out of these phases where he just doesn't look like himself. We're just we're all so used to the the unbeatable just god mode, you know, Roger Federer <clears throat> or pretty much whatever he wants to hit, he just does. And so on the occasions where he is a little bit off, it's just kind of a strange thing to witness. And that was definitely the case for for a solid set where he was just off his game and he was just out of his rhythm out of his rhythm and so that was kind of the the, the setup and he came back to win uh, he broke Chorich won the second set and then and then won the third set and so after this match uh, oh first of all let me tell you how he kind of turned things around really quickly before I get to his comments after the match Mo- uh, most of the first and second set Roger was just missing totally routine shots and not just routine shots for Roger but just routine shots for any professional player. And so down 4-2 in the second set, after losing the first set, he really v- just visually, it was very obvious that he was changing his tactics. And I was really lucky to have great seats for this match. I was right behind the, the baseline, about 10 rows back or so, right in the middle of the baseline. And so for me and my student watching, it was really instructive to, to see his, his game change. He slowed down his swing speed quite a lot and really completely stopped going for offensive shots. Unless it was just a situation where the ball was just sitting there and just a clear opportunity to, to just finish the points. He no longer really was trying to pressure Chorich. In fact, he was clearly just targeting the middle of the court. And it was clear in that moment that Chorich, if he had the ability, the match was there for the taking. 
And he ended up tightening up and kind of matching Roger's speed. And that allowed Roger to get into more of a rhythm, kind of find his comfort and get back into the match. And he ended up winning it. So several things about his post-match interview, which was only like two or three minutes long. And I found it on YouTube, thankfully, because there's just multiple parts of this interview that struck me as being just extremely wise, it's extremely instructive considering the amount of challenge that Roger just went through. And if you go to YouTube and you type in Federer Chorich, which is spelled C-O-R-I-C, interview Indian Wells into YouTube, you'll see the, the, the clip that I used for this right, right at the very top. So Brad Gilbert came on after the match and asked him about the match and kind of, hey, you know, how'd it go? And the, the first, I've got four different lessons here that we're going to learn from Roger's responses to Brad's questions. And I, I've kind of broken this up into, into sound bites or, or clips. And the first one that, sorry, I'll be reading. You won't literally hear Roger talk. But what, what he said uh, after going through this challenging match was, number one, I needed to fight a little bit to just try to keep the ball in play and maybe not try to go in too not, not try to go and do too much shot making. Sorry, I kind of messed that up. So let me read it one more time. I needed to fight a little bit to try and just keep the ball in play and maybe not try to go and do too much shot making. So um, this is Roger identifying that he was off. And this is, some, this is something that all of us need to learn from. At, at every level of play, we all have this these images or pictures in our mind of the beautiful winning shots that professional players have hit, and, and we have this picture in, in our mind of the beautiful winning shots that we've hit. And for whatever reason, as humans, once we've done something like that, we have this expectation that I can just go and do it again, and, or I can do it again at will or on command or whenever I want. And I think it's extremely important to fully understand and come to terms with the fact that even Federer has matches, and probably much more frequent than, than you think, where he's just trying to keep the ball in play. And he's not even trying to pressure Chorich at that point in the second set. And so lesson number one that we can learn from this match and Roger's comments is that consistency is really the most fundamental element that we need to be able to develop to be successful at, at any level, even at the professional level. Now, of course, as levels increase, there's kind of a delicate ba balance or dance between offense and consistency. Uh, being consistent with just any shot won't cut it against a professional level player or a four or five level player or maybe a three five level player. It just it really depends. It's all relative to where you are right now. And so, of course, quality of shot, quality of pace and spin needs to rise as well. But as that happens, consistency is absolutely fundamentally important. So that's uh, lesson number one. Now, uh, Roger continued with his thoughts and kind of the second part of, of uh, his initial response to, to Brad asking, how did the match go? He said, it was tough for me to accept and move on and say, okay, I'm just happy to stay in the game. I'm just happy to stay in the rally. <clears throat> So again, we, we have this, we have Roger kind of up on a huge pedestal, and rightly so. He's done unbelievable things throughout his career, broken virtually every record. Uh, not every record, but virtually every record. And unbelievable, unbelievable shot-making ability. And for him, and, it, and he says here, it's tough. It was tough for him to accept the fact that he just needs to move on 
and just take it for what it is and say, I'm, I'm just happy to stay in the game. I'm happy to just stay in rallies, just be in rallies. He Now that's his level of acceptance with where he is in his match. I think too often we get stuck with that idealistic self-image of how we're hitting balls in practice or maybe that last match that we played where we just had a great day, everything was clicking. And we get too attached to that feeling. We get too attached to that version of ourselves, that version of our games. We so badly want to find it again. And we'll go through, I can speak from experience. I won't throw all the rest of you under the bus, I guess. But uh, I've gone through match after match trying to find that person, trying to find that mode or that state where everything is clicking. And in the meantime, just shooting myself in the foot and beating myself. And so what Roger is saying here is in the moment, in kind of a micro part of a, of a single match, he's accepting where he is in his level of execution and saying, I'm happy to just, just stay in it. I'm happy to just stay in a rally and just hit the ball in and just play a consistent shot. So I think lesson number two here that we can learn from Roger is settling for less than our potential isn't easy, but understand and accept the fact that it's the reality most days. And Rogers, Rogers said here in his comments, it was tough for me. It was tough for him to accept his level of execution that day, but he did it. And because he did that, had he continued to just go for the shots that, of course, he knows he's capable of making, he would have gone down in two sets. There's just absolutely no question about that. Uh, he gave a lot of credit to Chorich. Chorich was, was playing extremely well, very steady, and just retrieving everything very in a very confident, you know, solid way, not really giving Roger very many easy opportunities. And so had Roger just continued going for the shots that he's used to being able to make, he would have lost. It would have been two sets instead of three. So the fact that he was able to accept that and just play with what he had that day was what gave him an opportunity. So my suggestion to you, my what I would recommend, is avoid setting any kind of result expectation, both in terms of ultimate outcome of the match and also in terms of your performance. I know that might sound kind of conf- kind of confusing to some of you, especially those of you who are have more perfectionistic tendencies like myself. This is something I used to actively, this is a concept I used to actively argue against, the whole idea of uh, giving in to something being off on a particular day. I used to actively believe that I can, I can figure it out. Like I, I'm pretty analytical. I'm relatively athletic. I should be able to figure this out. I have decent you know, knowledge of strokes and mechanics and my own self, my own game, how I move. Well, I should be able to bring things back to where they quote should be. If Roger can't do that, I need to get, I need to give up on that not not literally give up but give up on that idea that I can bring everything back to my ultimate you know version of myself some at some point during this match and and win the day and be the hero. The reality is there's so many variables that affect the the outcome of a match and you control very very few of them. We'll talk more about that a little bit later. So and just just think about this match. Federer versus Chorich, the semifinals of one of the biggest tournaments in the world. Think about the planning, the preparation, and the work that went into this match. Just think about it from Roger's perspective. He has a whole team of people that their whole job is to optimize his performance in every possible facet of his game. 
<clears throat> nutrition, injury prevention, performance and, and periodization of his game, his plan against this particular opponent and strategy, his practice routine, and just making sure that his game is in the best possible state to play this match. This is all that matters to him and his team leading up to this match. An entire crew of like the most qualified and the, the, the highest experts in their field. And all of that came down to Roger saying, I'm happy to stay in the rallies. <laughs> the greatest, you know, arguably the, the greatest player of all time to play the sport. And this whole team of people behind him doing their jobs to have him play at peak perfection every single match. And it all, at the end of the day, Roger was just happy to stay in the rallies with a player that just doesn't even come anywhere close to Roger's accomplishments or, or resume or, or game. Just think about that for a second. Roger Federer, in the middle of a match, is saying to himself, I'm accepting what this is, and I'm just happy to be in the game, and I'm happy to be in these rallies. So if I think if, if, he, can, if he can say that, we certainly, I think, can learn from that and can, can do our best to, to do the same. Okay, two more things here. I've been looking forward to, to talking about this. So Brad Gilbert next asks him about hitting to the middle of the court. As I described right in the beginning, uh, Roger really changed his tactics, the speed of his play, and he was really just placing balls in the middle of the court. And, and Brad made a comment, if you go watch the video, uh, he basically said, I've never, I've never seen you do that before. I've never seen you target the middle of the court. And Roger's response to that was, Honestly, I was just happy not making too many mistakes. And at some point, you're happy with very little. And for, for me in the moment, watch, after having watched the match and, and standing there watching Brad talk to, to Roger, for me, there was just kind of a, a wow moment. As just somebody who thinks a lot about tennis and performance and improvement journey and kind of the journey of mastery to, to, and having followed the sport, you know, my entire life to hear Roger Federer say, at some point you're happy with very little was, was just, and of course it's a, it's a relative, you know, term for, for Roger that, that little is obviously much higher than all the rest of us could, could ever dream of, of accomplishing or executing. But it's still a reality of his existence at that point in time. The, the reality was his execution was, was very little compared to what he's capable of. And so this is a little bit of a continuation of, of uh, the second lesson. But lesson number three, I, I think this kind of translates into learn to cultivate gratitude for the little things. And for Roger in this moment, it was just staying in the rally. It was just staying in the game, just playing shots in the middle of the court. He's, he's satisfied with that. He's happy with that, which for Roger is way, way, way below his normal expectation for how he should be able to hit the ball. And so here's a, just a quick list of things that for me personally, if you've been following my, my content for a long time, especially the, the podcast, in particular the podcast, then you've heard me talk about this and kind of my own journey with uh, perfectionism and, and anger on the court and, and reaching a point where I was really just miserable and didn't want to be on the court anymore as a competitor, which, which for me was a drastic departure from what I always knew 
on the courts. And so for me, this has been really big. And, and as far as like big picture, long-term goal and long-term development, for me, this is really critical is to, is to learn to be grateful for the most basic things on the court. But if you think about it within the context of yourself, your development as a, as a human and what you have the, the um, ability to pursue and do, what you have the privilege of doing, uh, here's six quick, quick things. The physical ability to play. I don't care what level you're at. To have the ability to go out there and just stand on, on two legs or even play wheelchair tennis and just the ability to be out there is, is a huge blessing. Uh, the time and, and money, just the blessing of being able to pursue the sport. If you're listening to my voice right now, then more than likely you're pretty fanatical about the game. And so you've invested a lot of time at the very least into improving yourself, improving your skills. And not everybody, but many of you have invested a lot of money in, in the lessons and camps and academies and, and all your equipment and travel and all, the, all that kind of stuff. That you should be grateful uh, for that. Time outside in the sun, or if you're here in Milwaukee with me, then it's indoors still. But uh, just to be out there and be able to experience the game, uh, the ability to get exercise, the privilege to compete and test yourself against other players and people who are pursuing the game, and continuing the journey of a journey of mastery in general. And these are all things that we should, all of us, I think, could stand to be a little bit more grateful for uh, as we're on the courts. So I quote again from Roger, and this is one of my favorite, I think, tennis quotes of all time. Honestly, I was just happy not making too many mistakes. And at some point, you're happy with very little. I think we can all learn to be happy uh, with very little. Getting a little philosophical here. But uh, hopefully that's kind of helpful for you to hear that from Roger. And again, feel free to go look up the video. Um, I think it's a very uh, telling interview. All right, one more uh, quick point here. So Brad, to wrap up the interview, uh, makes a comment about how Roger's match was at 11 a.m. And apparently, I mean, I, would, I don't know, I've just never really thought about it. But generally, you put, you put Federer on later in the day to draw more crowds, give uh, more people the chance to be able to see him because he obviously, obviously big players like him and, and Nadal just draw, and Serena Williams just draw a massive crowd just all on their own. And so apparently it had been a really long time since Roger had played at the first, this was the first match of the day. Generally Roger's on later in the day session or he's in the, the evening session. And uh, Brad asked him, Did you re do you remember the last time you played at 11 a.m., which is kind of the typical first match time for a professional tournament. And Roger, you know, wasn't sure. And so Brad told him, the last time you played the first match on was in 2006. And so Roger's been playing professional tennis for 12 years since the last time that he was the first match on. So just think of, this is like a six hour earlier starting point than what he's used to uh, for his matches. And so you can just imagine that he's got certain routines and rituals and ways that he likes to go throughout his day to prepare himself. And that the, the way that he and his team spend his time, I'm sure is, is ex extremely well thought out, uh, very closely scheduled. And so uh, can just imagine that this really kind of was a challenge for him. You know, 11 a.m., of course, not, not super early, but just take it in context of 
12 years of Roger not having to plan for that starting time. And now all of a sudden he, he has to, and it's a challenge. And so uh, Roger's response to that <clears throat> was, that was what I was trying to block out of my head as well, that if I lost this match, I was not going to tell myself is because I played so early in the day. And so for me, I mean, A, think about this for, for a second. Roger, one of the, the most winning tennis players of all time, probably the most winning tennis player of all time, is saying that he's purposefully, kind of consciously trying to block this out of his head, which I, I think, again, kind of a reoccurring theme here is that how much does that give us permission to not try to be perfect in our own heads during a tennis match. Uh, and so instead of focusing on this frustration and thing that very well, you know, we could just give him permission to be uh, thrown off by, and I'm sure he was thrown off by it, focusing on problem solving the match rather than that frustration was his choice in that moment. And I think that's something we all need to, to learn from. I think it's critical to understand that mental tennis is not about blocking thoughts. It's not about controlling what comes into your head. We cannot control what random thoughts and frustrations and annoyances and things that are bothering us from popping into our head. It's going to happen. We can't control whether or not those things come into our head, but what we do control is what we focus on and what we give energy to. And so Roger very well, very easily could have allowed that to occupy his mental space. And especially given that his play was off, it's a perfect opportunity to use that as an excuse and say, well, no wonder I'm playing like crap. Like when was the last time I played at 11 o'clock? I can't even remember. It was 12 years ago. He, he literally can't even remember the last time that he played the first match on for the day. How easy would it have been for most humans to just grab onto that, use it as an excuse, and just go down with the ship? That's what most of us would have done. Just let's, ju let's just be honest. It's probably what I would have done. <laughs> and so uh, Roger's quote, again, uh, that's what I was trying to block out of my head as, as well. Because if I lost the match, I was not going to tell myself, is it because I played so early? And so for me, the best illustration I've, I've ever heard of this was I originally heard from Ed Sang, who did Mental Tennis Mastery with me, super, super knowledgeable, wise, uh, mental toughness expert. The, the illustration that he uses, he's a New Yorker, is standing on the, the subway platform and waiting for your train to pull in. You don't control which train comes next, the A train, the B train, the C train, but you do control which train you get on. It's the same thing with our thoughts. We do not control what thoughts are rolling through the station, but you absolutely can choose and be purposeful about what you give energy to and what you focus on. And so that's lesson number four. So again, a quick uh, recap. Lesson number one, consistency is the base skill that we all need to master, no matter what our level is. Lesson number two, settling for less than our potential isn't easy, but on most days, it's kind of a reality and something we need to, to get used to. Lesson three, learn to cultivate gratitude for the little things. And lesson number four, 
managing your focus is critical to great performance on the courts. For me, this is I really enjoyed putting this together because Roger's comments on this match were just extremely instructive, extremely rich. It was just I'm looking at the video here, two minute fifty eight second interview, and could easily unpack each one of these in a, in a separate episode. Uh, hopefully, this was interesting for you to listen to. I hope you go watch the video quick because um, for for me, watching the match, listening to his his thoughts after the match was just so applicable to the rest of us. And I hope this was helpful for you, gave you different perspective maybe about uh, your your matches when you play, gave you a little bit different uh, appreciation for maybe the game, how difficult it is to play at that level or at, at any level. It's a, it's a tough game. It's a, it's a tough game to master and uh, play our, at our best no matter what our level is. So with that, thank you for listening today. If you have any comments, questions, you can shoot me an email to ian at essentialtennis.com. That's I-A-N at essentialtennis.com. If you enjoyed this episode, if it was helpful to you, please tell somebody about it, teammate, doubles partner, whoever, and do me a favor and leave a review on the iTunes Music Store or the, uh, the Apple, the iPhone podcast app. For more free game-improving instruction, be sure to check out EssentialTennis.com, where you'll find hundreds of video, audio, and written lessons. Also, be sure to subscribe to Essential Tennis on iTunes and YouTube, where we are the number one resource in the world, providing passionate instruction for passionate tennis players. Thank you so much for listening today. Take care, and good luck with your tennis.